Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org. And now a message from The Rock of Gainesville. Now, I know uh, that, uh, you know, I'm not very smart, but I do know that many of you came today to hear Pastor George. Uh, and I, and I get that. So did I, <laughs> you know, I mean, come on. Uh, but here I am. So now, that's, that's very kind, but that's very kind. But if I'm honest, I feel like a pork chop at a kosher wedding. So, you know, it's just kind of one of those things. Uh, I, I came to hear him too. Uh, had a great time with him on Friday and just enjoyed some time with him. Looked forward to this morning and just, you know, just again, just it's the world we're in right now and we're just walking through it, trusting God and believing in faith. Uh, so I, I do thank Pastor George and Pastor Suzanne to be able to step in at the last minute and share a word that's on my heart concerning uh, keeping prayer first. Now, as you guys know, we're launching our 21 days of prayer today. Uh, and we'll go through 21 days of prayer and we'll culminate it on the 26th with a Sunday Night Live as we all come together and wrap up our prayer and fasting time over the next 21 days. And so the theme for the month is keeping prayer first. Uh, And we did such a great job of that last year, guys, of keeping prayer first. Prayer literally became a mandate to this house that it was so so encouraging to watch you guys every day of the week come in week in and week out and spend time from 6.15 in the morning to seven o'clock every day praying together. So so, so encouraging. Uh, and we did a great job of, of praying first. This year, we want to keep prayer first. We want to keep it going. And so that's the reason this morning I'm going to talk about uh, persevering in prayer. Persevering in prayer. Because you know what, guys? This is the first week of 2020. And you know, we walk in here excited with great intentions, and I know you have them, and we'll keep those great intentions. But it's easy. It's easy to get real excited about praying the first week of the year. Real excited to be motivated and moved and stirred during the first week of the year and uh, be jazzed about praying all year long. But what happens? What happens in week 20 or week 27 or week 32 or week 49 when life kicks you and I right between the teeth? And all of a sudden something has happened in January, February, June, or July that we did not anticipate. Come on with me for just a second, man. Let's look back over 2019, January of 2019 and put ourselves in that position and then play the video forward for a few months How many of us would have thought something that we're walking through right now would have taken place last January? Didn't see it coming. Didn't see it coming. Didn't know it was going to happen. And so we started off the year with that jazzed up feeling about praying and praying and praying and praying. And then all of a sudden, life turned on a dime and we found ourselves walking through something that we didn't expect to walk through. And now we've got to motivate ourselves to persevere in prayer. And so that's what I want to encourage you with today. We're going to pray this month, but we're going to pray next month, baby. Come on. 
We're going to pray in March. We're going to pray in April. We're going to pray in June. We're going to pray in August. We're going to pray in September. We're going to pray in December. We're going to persevere as people of prayer. Not always going to be easy. Not always going to be easy. But we're going to, we're going to set our, our faces aflint to be able to be that person that perseveres in prayer. Let's look at some scriptures that kind of sets the stage of what we want to talk about. Mark chapter 12, verse 30, in the Message Bible, here's what it says. It says, now, this is a real familiar passage of scripture that you'll know it, but the word is different because it's in the Message Bible. But as I read it to you, you'll know how we typically quote it. But I love the way it says it this way. It says, the Lord is your God, and he is one, so love the Lord God with all your passion and all of your prayer. All of your passion and all of your prayer and intelligence and energy. Now we know that normally says it, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and body. But I love how this says this as we kick off this 21 days of prayer. Love the Lord your God with all of your passion, with all of your prayer with all of your intelligence, and with all of your energy. Let me tell you some really good news. Some point during this year, you're going to have to have some energy to drive yourself to the place of prayer. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. So position yourself right now in January to love your God with all of your passion and all of your prayer. Look at Romans chapter 12, verse 11. I love this. Don't burn out. Don't burn out, man. Right now, you're jazzed. You're feeling good. You're excited. How are you going to feel in June? How are you going to feel in October? Here's the word of encouragement I got to give to you. Don't burn out. Keep on praying. Keep on praying. Don't burn out. Keep yourselves fueled and aflame. Be alert servants of the master, cheerfully expectant. Cheerfully expectant. Don't burn out, man. There's going to be that battle that you're going to have to fight. There's that battle you fought last year that may have carried over into 2020. I don't know. But there's a battle that you're going to have to fight. Don't let that battle wear you out. The Daniel, uh, verse chapter 9 rather, says, One of the greatest tools of the enemy is the wearing down of the saints. It's one of the greatest tools of the enemy to get you and I tired, to get you and I frustrated, to get you and I anxious, to get you and I just to a place of saying, I quit. Let me tell you something, baby. Do not quit because God's on the other side of that battle and you're gonna walk over that line of victory with both hands raised. Just don't quit. Just don't quit. Don't burn out. Keep yourselves fueled and flamed. Now, this is the verse or the, the, the section of scripture that I really want to base this word on. It's right here in Acts chapter 12, and it's verses 1 through 5. And for some reason, my clicker is not clicking. Can you put it up there and drive it for me? Acts chapter 12, verses 1 through 5. Acts chapter 12, verses 1 through 5. It's an incredible passage of Scripture. And, and oh, there it is. You know, the, the part I really want you to get, I can quote to you, but it doesn't matter because I want to read it to you. This is the time where Peter was in jail. And it's a, the setting of the stage 
of Peter being released from jail miraculously. But let's go ahead and set the stage. Here we go. Acts chapter 12, verse 1. It was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John. He had James, the brother of John. He had James, the brother of John. Ah, it's not where I want to go. Okay, let's read right here. Here we go. We good right here? Okay, that's cool. Because I don't have any notes, so... I mean, this is it. <laughs> when he saw, here we go. So he had James, the brother of John, put to death with a sword. When he saw this met with approval among the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened. Is this working now, Care Bear? This happened during, this happened during the Feast of Unleavened Bread. After arresting him, he put him into prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of soldiers, four soldiers each. Am I here now? He intended to bring him out for a public trial after Passover. So Peter was kept in prison. Here's the phrase I want you to get. Little bit of distraction, let's kind of refocus. Here we go. But the church was earnestly praying to God for him. I got Peter in prison. Look at this, guys. I got Peter in prison. He's being guarded by four squads of four soldiers. That's 16 guys trying to watch one guy. Do you think they knew something was up? Do you think they knew something might happen at any moment? So they've got him in prison, but here's what the church is doing. Peter's in prison. The church is praying. Come on, somebody. The, Peter's in prison, about to be beheaded, but the church is praying. How are they praying? They're praying earnestly. They're praying earnestly. I love that word earnestly. That word in the English language there is where we get our words stretched out. Now, get this in your mind's eye. Peter's in prison, in chains, in bondage, but the church is stretching out to touch God. They're doing everything they can to pray earnestly, which literally means they're stretching and they're stretching in their spirit, man. They're stretching and they're stretching and they're stretching until they touch God. Hey, let me ask you a question. How many times have you dropped something and you've had to stretch to get it? It's right there at your fingertips. Come on, be honest with me. How many times have you dropped your cell phone in between the seat in your car? And you dug and dug and dug and you did everything you can to try to get to that thing and you barely, barely feel it and I got it. <laughs> or something you dropped on the floor. You know what I have found? I, I guess it's just old age. I don't know. Every time I pick something up, I drop it. <laughs> I told Barbara the other day, I'm just going to go ahead and start throwing things on the floor.
I mean, that's where it's going to end up anyway, right? <laughs> but that's what the church was doing. They were stretching and they were stretching and they were stretching because they were a serious moment. One of their brothers was in prison. They needed to God to move miraculously, so they stretched. They didn't pray a, now I lay me down to sleep. They stretched until they touched their God. That's praying earnestly, guys. Me and Pastor Tad were talking about this the other day, and he said, you know, there is a time, listen to me carefully now, there is a time to where we have to travail in prayer. We don't go to the table and say, bless our food. Nothing wrong with that. But there is a time in your life, in my life, where I have to travail in prayer. And when he said that, man, it jumped in me so much that I went to our, our uh, age-old source, the dictionary. And I looked it up, and here's what it says about travail. It, says, it talks about pain. It talks about anguish. It talks about having to walk out a process. It talks about something that you really have to do that creates you to be stretched. So I started going through the scripture, and one of the scriptures I came across was where Jesus said, as travail upon a woman, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. And when he said that, or when the word said that rather, I, I thought about that birthing process. Now, I know nothing about the birthing process. And for that, I can't thank God enough. <laughs> but you ladies do, right? Oh, you missed a good place to shout if you're a female. You ladies do. And there is that that birthing process, that contraction process, that, that anguish process, that process where you know that it, it's good ahead, but right now it hurts. And you want to stand up in those stirrups and punch your husband right in the face. It hurts. It hurts. But what happens when it's all said and done? New life. Come on, somebody. There's pain, there's anguish, but then there's new life. I, I, I was telling Melly the other day, I remember when Blake was born. November the 27th, 1981, 7-11 in the morning. I had, been, I had been gone the whole day at a ranch of a friend of mine working cows the entire day. And so I'd been out there for about 14 hours. I finally quit. I went home, and when I got home, uh, now, you can imagine how I smelled. I'd been at the back end of a cow for 14 hours. <laughs> right guard didn't do the trick. <laughs> so I walk in the house smelling like a cow, and I walk into the house, and there's Barbara standing at the front door. As soon as I open the door, she says, it's time. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a new husband. I, you know, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm nervous, man. I, I'm, I'm a new father. I don't know what to do. So I just start grabbing stuff and throw it in the car, man. We're going to St. Luke's Hospital. Here we go. I never thought to stop and take a shower. So, <laughs> so we're in that little bitty hospital room, and I'm smelling like a back end of a cow, and I'm waiting for my son to be born. Now, we had been through all the Lamaz classes. You know, you know where you go to classes and you learn how to breathe? <laughs> push, push, push. 
push. And I was the coach. I was the coach. I got coach of the year, man. I knew what I was doing. I was good. I was the coach. Push, push. But then reality set in. Now, now it's not practice anymore, baby. We're in the game. And I'd been up for 14 hours, and I sat on that bedside holding my wife's hand as she went through those contractions. I held her hand and fell fast asleep. <laughs> and every once in a while, she would pull on my hand. You're supposed to be helping me. Yeah, yeah, okay, okay, yeah. Push, push. She did so great, man. She did phenomenal, man. I mean, Little Miss Athlete did so good, and all of a sudden, 7-11 in the morning, my son was born. All of those contractions, all that pain, all that anguish led to new life. Come on, yeah, go ahead. And the same thing takes place in your life and my life, guys. We go through that pain, but we travail, and we travail, and we travail. And then what happens in your life, Jesus brings new life to you. You know, it's a little side note. I never will forget. I never will forget. My, we called my mom and dad in Mississippi and said, go into the hospital, it's time. My dad threw everything in the car, jumped and drove nine hours, and he got there, walked into the hospital, and the nurse said, where are you going, sir? And he said, my son is back there with his baby. I'm going back to visit him. No, I'm sorry, you can't do that. He said, try and stop me. <laughs> hey, let me tell you something. That's the same thing the Heavenly Father does for you when you trail veil in prayer. The enemy says, you can't have that. God says, try and stop me. Try and stop me. That's my child crying out to me. Mm, mm. But that travailing process is part of the persevering in prayer. Now, let me ask you a question. Like I told you earlier, right now it's pretty easy as we start the year to pray. What's it going to be like as the year continues on? There are going to be hindrances to our prayer. So we've got to learn how to persevere in prayer. What are some of those hindrances? Write it down. Here we go. Number one, the first hindrance to persevering in prayer is an unbalanced schedule. An unbalanced schedule. Now, you guys know as well as I do, if your life is anything like mine, it is driven by clocks and calendars. It's driven by tension and turmoil. We find ourselves having to go with the flow, and a lot of times the flow is way out ahead of us. And so we find ourselves in that unbalanced lifestyle. And a lot of times, unfortunately, one of the first things that kind of gets put on the back burner is our prayer life because we just, well, you know, I wanted to get up this morning and have my quiet time, but I've got to get up and get the kids to school, or I've got to do this, or I've got to do that. And it's not intentional by any means. You're good people. You love God. But there's that inclination on all of our parts to have an unbalanced schedule that causes our prayer life to get kind of put on the back burner. Look at Psalm 127, verse 2. It says, in vain you rise early and stay up late. 
in vain, in uselessness. You rise early, but you stay up late. And so what that ends up doing is causing us to toil. But here's what he does. He grants sleep, divine rest to those that he loves. What I've got to do is find myself in that schedule, in that pace of life that's not driving me in that little bitty box to the office. I went down, I was going down the road the other day. Now, I'm careful how I say this because I know some of you wonderful ladies have done this. Driving down the road, I'm on Parker Road, I look in my rear view mirror trying to turn on 24th and there's a girl looking in the mirror putting on her makeup. Watch it. (laughs) Next point. (laughs) Don't don't touch that one with a 10-foot pole. And that doesn't, that's not bad. So love PR. Say, I love you, PR. (laughs) Yeah, right. Doesn't mean that everybody has an unbalanced schedule that does that, but sometimes we find ourselves having to juggle. Have you ever had to juggle your clock and your calendar and your lifestyle, inserting something here because you got a few extra seconds? Again, unfortunately, one of the things that happens in all of our lives is we find ourselves pushing that prayer time back because of an unbalanced schedule. Get this principle right here. Life will always move you in the direction of your strongest thoughts. What's going on in your brain? That's why the Word says to renew your mind, not be conformed to this world and its ideals and its schedule, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. What's on your mind? You know, I, uh, when I was a kid, I wasn't exactly built to play football. You know, I, I, was, I was real tall, real thin. You know, I was, I was 6'5". I weighed about 175 pounds with flaming red hair. I looked like a Q-tip dipped in iodine. I mean, it was... <laughs> but all my friends were playing football. So I decided I was going to play peewee football. Peewee football. Man, it didn't take me long to realize those guys were hitting me hard on purpose. I mean, I'm thinking, what have I done to you? I remember one time I was, when I first came to Gainesville, and Barbara and I came and we were working with FCA, I'm driving down the road in my car with Kevin Carter, who went on to be the defensive end for the Los Angeles, or St. Louis Rams. Six foot six, 290 pounds, he ran a 4740. I want this guy hitting me at full speed. So years before that, wisdom cried aloud, and I quit, I quit playing football. But when I was playing peewee football, I played for a guy named Bobby Glass. He played for Bear Bryant. And I can still hear his words, because there was one thing I did consistently every day at practice. One thing. I did consistently every day at practice. I messed up. (laughs) And I can still hear his words. What are you thinking, Hyatt? What are you thinking? What are you thinking? What are you thinking? Apparently nothing, but that, you know, (laughs) that's just kind of the way it goes. And sometimes we've got to stop and ask ourselves spiritually, believer, what are you thinking? What's in your brain? What's in your spirit? What's in your heart? What are you thinking right now? Are you thinking on everything you've got to do out there? And that's legit. Yeah. 
Or am I thinking about getting alone with God and allowing myself to be refreshed and renewed? So number two, the second hindrance to persevering in prayer is an unconfessed sin. An unconfessed sin. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 says this, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Come on and thank God for it right now. Come on. Come on, you can do better than that. You got to thank God for that, man. I, I really do need to thank God because how many times have I been wanting to go to the place of prayer and the enemy does everything he can to drudge up my past? And I try to hold back and try to stay back and act like it doesn't exist, but he keeps reminding me of it. And instead of moving on to the place of prayer, I allow that guilt and that condemnation to drive me a place away from prayer. Hey, let me encourage you this morning. Look at this right here. The things we continually run from have already been settled if we'll be courageous enough to face them. There's not anything that hasn't been settled by the power. Jesus took care of it 2,000 years ago on a hill called Calvary by the blood of Jesus Christ. You are free and free indeed. No need to run from it. No need to let the accuser of the brethren beat you up with it. We run from it, sure. Are we not happy we did it? Sure, but it is washed away by the blood of Jesus Christ. I told somebody not long ago, there have been times in my life, just a couple of times in my life, and I've been praying to God. And I'm saying, God, forgive me for this or that. You remember when? And I felt in my spirit, God say, no, I don't. You remember when I, no, I don't. But God, you remember that time where I, no, I don't. Why? Because it's no longer in his remembrance. Free, 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 and free indeed. So don't let that lie of the accuser of the brethren drive you away from the place of prayer. Number three, third hindrance to persevering in prayer, an unresolved conflict, an unresolved conflict. I love this scripture in Matthew chapter five, verse nine. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. Pastor Hector brought a word about six or eight months ago, correct, about being a peacemaker. What a great word it was. And it brought us to a place of understanding what it means to walk in a place of creating peace in our lifestyle. You know, I've been walking through something for about two years that's really gotten my attention concerning what it means to walk in forgiveness. And if there's anything that will cause us to not be a peacemaker, it's unforgiveness. Because we wanna hold something against someone that they did, and that doesn't only not create peace in the situation, it creates turmoil in you and I. So for a couple of years, I've had to, and I've submitted this to Pastor George and Pastor Suzanne, I've had to learn how to walk in being a peacemaker. And I found myself every week, guys, every week having to learn how to forgive. Every week saying, I'm not holding that against that person any longer. 
And I had to, I've had to learn how to be a peacemaker. And what I realized, if I, don't be a, if I don't become a peacemaker, you know what I'm going to become? I'm going to become a troublemaker. Because God's not coming out of me, my redneck's coming out of me. And believe you me, you want God to come out of me, not my redneck. So I had to learn how to be a peacemaker. And in doing so, here are the three things that I've had to do continually. Number one, speak truth in love. And I've had to speak truth in love. Sitting right there a few months ago, this person sent me a text. And I looked at that text. And while pastor is preaching and I'm looking at that text, I could feel it boiling up inside of me. I wouldn't respond because if I responded then, I wasn't responding in love. I was responding in the flesh. Later that afternoon, I sat down with Barbara and I said, I've got to respond to this. What do I do? How do, how do I handle this? What do I say? And I responded. I spoke truth in love. And I apologized for anything I had done. But then you know what I had to do? I had to forgive and let go. See, here's the deal, guys. Get with me now. I couldn't just forgive and then not let go. Because the devil was going to beat the dog out of me by not letting go. Because he was going to remind me of what I was holding on to. I had to forgive and let go. You know, I tell couples all the time in my office, there's three principles that you got to live by in your marriage. you got to repent, forgive, and move on. And you know what? you got to do all three. See, I can't repent and not forgive. I can't forgive and not move on because anytime some little thing comes up, I'm going to be bringing up the past of what they did to me years ago. I got to repent, forgive, and move on. And that creates peace in my life and your life. Number four, hindrances to persevering in prayer, an unsupported lifestyle. What does that mean? Well, let's read Hebrews chapter 10, and this will explain it really well. And let us consider how we may spur on one another toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. I've got to be able to stay in that place of persevering in prayer because you're encouraging me to do that. Have you ever spurred a horse? You ever spurred a horse? <laughs> if you've never spurred a horse, let me tell you what a horse does. As soon as you spur that horse, what does he do? Whoop! Whoop! Sometimes I'm going to give you permission. Sometimes you need to spur PR. Whoop! Because I, I'm, in, I'm in the same old, same old, baby. I'm in the mully grubs. My life is not turning out in June like it was in January. So I'm walking through that motion of life and I'm settling into that motion of life. You who walk with me that I love and I trust is going to whoop, whoop. I'm out of it now. I'm out of it, ready to move on. Being encouraging to one another all the more as you see the day approaching. And here's the deal, guys. I can't do that by myself. I need you. I can't spur myself. No matter how hard I try. I'm getting this picture in my mind as I do that. 
I look like one of those flamingos in somebody's front yard. <laughs> Can't spur myself, baby. I, I, I need my brother in Christ. I need my sister in Christ. I need the body of Christ to say, you can do it, PR. Don't sit in that mulligrub. Get up and move on. Get spurred on to good works. Get spurred on to good works. Here we go right here. There's a difference. Because remember, I got to have you. I can't do this by myself. There's a difference in solitude and isolation. One is connected and one isn't. Solitude replenishes. I get alone with God and I get built up in faith. Solitude replenishes. Isolation diminishes. It's okay to get alone with God. It's not okay to get alone by yourself and then isolate yourself from people that can build you up in faith. Solitude replenishes, isolation diminishes. And lastly, and I'm done. Fifth hindrance to persevering in prayer, an unclear purpose. An unclear purpose. Here's a scripture that I love. I quote it all the time, but I quote it in the NIV or the New King James Version. Habakkuk chapter two, here's what it says in the message. Watch this, you're gonna love it. It says, and then God answered, write this, write what you see, write it out in big block letters so that it can be read on the run. Listen guys, in 2020, we're on the run. We're on, where are we running? We're not running from, we're running to. Come on somebody. We're not running from, we're running to the prize that God has for us. I'm not running away from it. I'm running to everything that God has for me. I am not sitting spiritually still. I'm moving forward. Woo, I just thought of something. I just thought of something. I just thought of something. <laughs> I'm going to tell you too. How's that? How, how many of us have experienced something magnificent in God. And it was so powerful, so mighty, that we just kind of wanted to sit there and enjoy the moment. Bask in that beautiful thing that God had done. Am I the only one? Come on, make me feel better. We've all done it, right? When the nation of Israel came out of Egyptian bondage and they walked through the Red Sea, Guys, let me tell you what happened if you don't already remember. Literally, the Red Sea parted and they walked across on dry land. Now that's CNN miracle stuff right there. I mean, that's USA Today. Come on, somebody. I mean, the Red Sea parted. They walked across on dry land. They got to the other side. The Egyptian army had literally been swallowed up by the Red Sea and they're in a place of victory and a place of safety. And the Bible says that they, saw, they sang the song of Mary and Moses, who is like unto thee, O Lord among the gods, glorious in holiness, fearful in praises, able to do exceeding wonders. Who is like unto thee? I mean, that's what's going on. That's how magnificent this thing is. And they stood there. You know the first thing that God said to them after the Red Sea parting? And they got across the other side and they were in a place of safety. You know the first thing God told them? Go forward. I just did something miraculous, but don't sit here and miss what I'm about to do. Come by somebody, come on. Don't miss what I'm about to do. 
write it down, write it out big so that you can read it on the, ru on the run. This vision message is a witness pointing to what's coming. It aches for the coming. It aches for the coming. Romans chapter eight says the same thing in different language, that, that the earnest expectation is eagerly awaiting the revealing of the sons of God. It aches for its coming. It doesn't lie. If it seems slow in coming, just wait. It's on the way. It's on the way. My man Brian sent me a text this morning and reminded me of something I said a good while back. And when I read it, you know the first thing I thought? I said that. <laughs> because here's what I said months ago. I said to you, if you understand the purpose, you will stay in the process. When I understand that God has a purpose, the enemy can bring anything he wants against me. It doesn't matter. I'm hanging in the process because I understand God's mighty purpose. I'm going to stay in there. I'm going to stay in there. I'm going to stay in there. And here's what I want you to get, and I'm done. When we catch a glimpse of purpose, we will live as if our days are numbered and lean into what God's into and God is doing in the world. When I understand purpose, guys, I, I, my feet hit the floor with spiritual energy. When I understand God's purpose, my feet hit the floor excited about the day. When I'm living in God's purpose, my feet hit the floor and I can't wait for what I'm about to see God do in that day. Will there be obstacles? Oh yeah. Will there be challenges? Oh yeah. Will there be pain? Oh yeah. Will there be hurt? Oh yeah. But greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. So my feet hit the floor with excitement about what God is doing and I lean in to what God is up to in the world. I don't just lean into what God is up to in my world. I lean into what God is doing in the world. Thank God for what God's doing in your world and lean into it. But lean into the ultimate purpose of our heavenly Father that is the majestic being overseeing all of the world and letting us be a part of it. Allow, inviting us. Some of you want to clap. Go ahead and join. Go ahead and do it. You know what? I'm going to clap with you one more time. Come on. Come on, give the Lord an ovation of praise. Come on. Come on, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Bow your heads. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray over the people of God right now. Father, I thank you for this wonderful body called the Rock of Gainesville that walks in faith and walks in anticipation of what you're doing in their world individually, but our world corporately. And Father, I pray over us now in Jesus' name. And Father, if there's one in the two, three, however many in this building this morning that would say, I want this to be my year, Pastor Ron. I want this to be my year where I can persevere in prayer and make it and walk into the blessings of God that you're talking about. But I've got to start. 
I've got to start, just like January is a start, I've got to start by allowing Jesus to become Lord of my life. And so, Father, I ask you right now, if there are those in the building in that particular state, just speak to their heart right now. Love on them with that beautiful touch that you give us, that touch of compassion, that touch of grace. And just speak to their heart right now, bringing courage and excitement and life and confidence to their heart right now in Jesus' name. They're saying it out loud, Father. They're saying it in their heart. They're saying it to their neighbor. They're feeling it, saying, I want this year to be my year. This year to be my year, but it's got to start. It's got to begin with Jesus becoming Lord of my life. That's what they're crying out, Lord, to you, and you're meeting them right now as we pray. Every head bow, every eye closed. Nobody's looking around, only just out of respect to each other. If you're here and you're saying, Pastor Ron, I want just what you said. I want this year to be my year. But I've got to start. I've got to have a beginning point by letting Jesus become Lord of my life and Savior of my life. And then I'll begin walking out this year, as you have described, persevering in so many areas of my life, including persevering in prayer. But I've got to have a starting point, and I want that starting point to be right now by accepting Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And I would love it, Pastor Ron, if you would pray for me. If that's you this morning in this building, put your hand up right where you are. Yes. 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 Anybody else to these three? Yes. In the back. Thank you. Anybody else? I want this year to be my year, but this has got to be my starting point. This has got to be my starting point. And I want you to pray for me, Pastor Ron, as I accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Anybody else joining these four? Just slip your hand up real high. All right, great. We're going to pray out loud. As I say almost every time, I love how God does things for us. He doesn't make things easy, but he makes them simple. And the simple thing is the scripture we've already read in 1 John. It says, if you confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, you shall be saved. And so as I lead you in prayer, this whole congregation is going to pray with you. And as you pray out loud and they pray out loud, just confess with your mouth what I lead you to pray. Believe it in your heart. And God's going to create that starting point for you today. Everybody praying together right now. Jesus, I come to you. And I ask you, Lord to be my savior. I ask you, Father, to forgive me of my sins, to start me on a new path, a new way of living. I desire to persevere. There have been times I've been weak and I've wanted to quit, but today I'm asking you to become not only my Lord, but my savior changing my direction, changing my steps, so that in the future, even if I feel like I want to give up, I will persevere because God's on my side. I accept you now as my Savior and as my Lord, and I thank you for changing my life. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, give the Lord a big ovation of praise as Pastor Jamie comes.
Thank you. Love you guys. Be seated. Thanks. I know Pastor Ron preached a long time this morning. Long-winded. Wow. Took that one service full length. what to say I love you guys I know (laughs) no you don't it's impossible Um, that's a great word Pastor Ron I listened to it all the way here Um, Tad actually texted me while when Pastor Ron started preaching this morning said you should come (laughs) I was in my PJs, and I haven't shaved. Anyhow, last year we started 2019 in 21 days of prayer, and um, I, I had no idea, obviously, the battle at the end of the year. But I believe it was our prayers at the beginning of the year that sustained and prepared me for the battle that we're in, the battle that TJ and Connie and Gabriella are in. And uh, Dr. John, I don't think he's here, but he's here in spirit. Dr. John uh, is, we believe, coming through with the end of his battle and uh we see each other on Mondays. Yep. believe he's going to walk out this in victory. Uh, many of you know Joey Reichart, young man that grew up in our house. Joey and I spent a few hours together this week sitting on my front porch talking about uh, the unsuspected attack of the enemy on both of our lives. And uh, Joey is a an amazing young man that I love. Uh, I've known him since he was five, and he's a man of prayer and faith, and he needs a miracle of God um, in a significant way. And I just uh, want this house to to continue to pray, to be a part of Joey's army of intercessors. And I know that um, all of us are going through all kinds of different battles, but there are times when you just realize you... can't do it alone there are times when you just realize that you need others to pray when you don't have the strength to pray for yourself and I am really grateful for this house for this family for your love for your intercession I feel it um, on a daily basis I still believe I'm coming out of this and through this. It's definitely not what I would have chosen for myself right now, but uh, I know God's grace is sufficient. And in the end, he's going to be glorified. And um, I just want to encourage you in this word that Pastor Ron brought today that 
you take it to heart because don't wait till you find yourself in a position like Gabriella's in or I'm in or Dr. John or Joey to decide it's time to learn how to pray. I am thankful that I knew how to pray. And I'm thankful that when that doctor told us eight weeks ago that I had an incurable disease, that it did not shake our faith and that we stand steadfast, believing and trusting God. And, uh, but I want to say something about Gabriella. She got out of the hospital um, Friday, I think, after 22 days or so in the hospital. She's going back in this week. Is that right? The week after? And then um, she undergoes her bone marrow transplant um, the end of January. Um, she is my new superhero. She's kind of showing me how to, how to walk out uh, this. And so uh, I would like, uh, Gabriella, for you to put your shoes back on. And you guys come up here. Pastors, y'all come on. Um, I want to pray over Gabriella before uh, you guys pray over me this morning. We're going to lift up Dr. John as well. And uh, so you pastors, please. Young, come up here. My super, super girl. Gabrielle and I make videos for each other. They're only for us, though, because they are goofy. She always talks in a different accent. So would you all just stand and stretch your hands over uh, Gabriella this morning? Hallelujah. Can I get that there? All right. Hallelujah. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, what a joy right now that we stand here. We know we're in a year of battle. We're in a season, Father, that uh, unlike anything we've known before, God, we're just having to learn to trust you with the young, the old, Father, with all of us and whatever journey or path or, or trial that we're walking through or down, Lord, today. Our confidence and our hope is steadfast in you. And Lord, I, I say with all sincerity my great love for this child and her faith and how she's shown me in so many ways how to, through all kinds of obstacles and feeling bad and going through chemo and going through all the things that are happening when they put so many drugs in our body, Lord, that she remains uh, full of faith, full of joy, full of hope. Father, what an inspiration to all of those at Shans Hospital in that pediatric wing and the doctors, nurses, everybody involved. We just stand in agreement today with TJ and Connie. We thank you for Gabriella's big brother, Ryan, who was the perfect match, Lord, to be her donor. We rejoice that all of that went well and that... Uh, Everything is in preparation now for Gabriella to go through this transplant, and we just wrap our arms around her and declare, Lord, that she's going to be wrapped in your arms, protected, covered by the blood of Jesus Christ, covered by this body, this family, Lord. We're just declaring that today over her, and that she's going to come out, Lord, uh, just Lord, I know even as I pray over her every day that you have a purpose and a plan for this child. And that your hand is going to be seen and evidenced in her for years to come. 
And you're going to touch many lives through this child as she grows into a young woman of God. And so we thank you for it today. We thank you for the peace that passes all understanding over TJ and Connie and over the grandparents, over the siblings, over the whole family. Lord, we just declare your will be accomplished in this child's life. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Well, I want you guys, we're going we're gonna to take a moment. We're going to stand in faith for Pastor. Um, um, family, come on up. Um, before I pray, I'm going to share a word with you all that I shared with Pastor um, that I believe bore witness with him. Um, I, was, I was sharing a word with our youth a couple weeks ago, and I was talking about sanctification. And this this... this this definition that was given by this Bible scholar regarding sanctification was the essence of it was when something is doing exactly what it was created to do. As a sin does is it turns us away from that. So when we're functioning in the completion of God's purpose, that's the essence of sanctification. What I've begun to speak over pastor because where his faith is, is that these treatments are going to be used by God to bring life into his body. I spoke and declared that every single one of those treatments will be sanctified utilized as a tool of God in the hand of every doctor. God's beyond all of that. Every pill he takes, every treatment he takes will be utilized by God to bring life and strength into his body. So I want to pray according to that and just declare God is over all this. He is well able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we're asking and thinking and, and, we, and we're going to ask. All right. So join, stretch your hands and let's pray over our pastor this morning. Lord God, thank you for your faithfulness today, Lord. Thank you for your grace today. Thank you for your peace today. Thank you for your presence in our lives today. And I thank you, Lord, for where pastor's faith is. And Lord, we, I thank you for a man who hears you, has faithfully walked with you, a son in your kingdom, Lord, who has raised up sons in your kingdom. And I speak right now, Lord, right where his faith is, that these treatments are utilized by you, Father, that literally these treatments are sanctified, that they are set apart for the purposes of God to bring life into his body. So I declare he doesn't just haphazardly take a, a medication. He doesn't haphazardly take a shot. He doesn't haphazardly take a pill. But Lord, it is literally a part of the process of what you're doing to bring life into his body. So we speak that word right now and release that into his body right now. And as these prayer warriors are standing, not just in this moment, but on a continual basis, we're declaring life life and that life more abundantly in pastor's body. I declare father, the subsiding of side effects in his body, Lord, the things he's dealing with and struggling with over the last few weeks, God, we just want to declare those things to be brought low and for the name of Jesus to be lifted high. We want to declare that every illness to be brought low and the name of Jesus to be lifted high. We declare the name of multiple myeloma is as he's declared nothing. It's under the feet of Jesus. And I speak right now and release right now every work that you want to do in his body. Life in his body, strength, peace, and rest over him. Father, clarity over his mind, strength in his body. And Father, this entire process, I'm declaring all things to go well. Lord, so that you'll be glorified as life and health and strength and healing is brought into Pastor George. 
God, I also speak life over Pastor Suzanne right now. I thank you for grace for her. Lord, we don't choose to just look past what she is walking through as being a, a helpmate for her husband, Father, and maybe in ways she never even imagined. But I thank you. She is strengthened by the Spirit, Father. I declare, Lord, you lift up her hands. Father, you lift up her heart and her mind. And I declare both Pastor George and Suzanne's eyes are looking to Jesus, the author and the finisher of their faith. God, not anything of this world, but Father, they are full of faith, trusting and hoping in you, that you will do all things well in their lives, Father. So again, we speak life and strength and health and healing and completion over them. In Jesus' name, come on, lift up a shout of praise and witness. Amen. Just uh, lastly, um, every night at six, um, I take a, a pill and uh, it's one of a 110 pills a week right now uh, I'm taking. And, uh, but each night it's, it's very specific. And some of you I know are on my little prayer chain list. But uh, if you can just think of that at six in the, in the evening, um, basically as Gabrielle has gone through, Dr. John's gone through, others of you in here have gone through and you know um, that uh, when they, you know, when that chemo goes in your body, it's, it's a foreign object. And uh, it's something, as I told you guys a few couple of months ago when I announced this, that I never thought I would ever do. Uh, but I am at peace with where I am and what I'm doing. And, and uh, I believe that God is sustaining me until the time when he completely heals me. Amen. And so I just covet your prayers and thank you for it. And, um, as much as I would like to come more often, and I had prepared for a month to preach today, and uh, I just realized that right now, um, wisdom is crying for me to rest when I would rather be here preaching. And um, and so I have to trust God with that. And, and I just want to say, you know, I didn't start out last year thinking this was a battle I'd walk through. I sure didn't want to begin this year, but uh, I know this. And I say it with all sincerity. God's got this. God's, God's got this. God has our church. God has our new building. God has everything in control. And uh, yeah, I'm having to learn to walk in a new level of faith and trust I never have before. But I'm okay with that. And uh, Miss Arlene, tell Doc we love him. And we're speaking, prophesying, declaring. It won't be long. He's going to be back here in the house uh, being Doc, and we're excited about that. So God bless you guys. I love you. I, I'd like to say something. I'm, first of all, y'all can sit down for a second. I'm sorry. I want to tell you how grateful I am for you. I want to tell you how much I love you. I want to tell you how awesome it is that you are here today. We're going through a battle as a church family, but we're not going to run from the battle. We're going to run to the battle with prayer. We're going to run to the battle with worship. See, the enemy wants to glean us out. He wants to take us out. But I just determined, you know what, enemy of my soul, I'm going to worship more. I'm going to get in the word more. I'm going to love my neighbors more. I'm going to love the house of God more. 
And that is my determination because I do not want the enemy to say, aha, I've won. When Jesus went to the cross, the enemy thought he won. But instead, God got many sons and daughters. And just as we sang this morning, we are being pressed on every side. And you're going through your own personal battles on top of this one. That's okay. You know what? We're up for it. We're up for it. Like Pastor Ron said, greater is he that is in us than he that's in the world. And, and so as we sang this morning, we're being pressed. But here's, God gave me a word at the beginning of last year that it was the year of harvest. And I'll be honest with you, when the diagnosis came and I went back to my journal and I looked at that, I went, I don't understand it, Lord. I don't understand how can this be? This is not the harvest I was thinking of. This is not what I had in mind. But listen, we're being pressed, but this is the harvest. It's new wine. There's going to be new wine coming out of Pastor George, coming out of Gabriella, coming out of Dr. John, and coming out of all of us as we walk through this battle with them. That's the harvest. There's going to be a greater outpouring of God's Spirit. We're not, we're not stepping back. And we're not going to run away. Let's stick together as a church family. That's why I love us all being here together. I love this. When we came in this morning and there were more of you at at the pre-service prayer, it was fabulous. And I felt the buzz in the air as we were all gathered together as a church family saying, you know what, we're locking arms. We're, we're, going, we're going into the battle together, and we're going to let praise go before us. We're going to let worship go before us. We're going to let the word go before us. And we're going to lock arms as a church family, and we're going to walk through this battle and watch God do great and mighty things. Thank you. I love you all. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org.